You're listening to Uncovered, Missing All the Signs. I'm Paxson Hawes, and when we finished episode two, Joel Henry Hendricks Jr. had just learned that his son Joel had ended his life with a self-made bomb. We'll pick back up with the morning the grieving father met the FBI investigators. The same morning, investigators and bomb technicians were searching Joel's apartment in Norman. Officials had arrived at Joel's home more than 600 miles away in Colorado Springs. His father recalls that morning. The next morning, I come home from church, and there's a policeman and a plainclothes cop and an FBI guy, and they want access to the house to look at uh, Joey's possessions. And they looked through it and spent a couple of hours, and they couldn't find very much of anything that would give them a terrorist style motive, but they they saw that he was technically inclined. Joel, the youngest of five, came from a dysfunctional family. During his childhood, it wasn't uncommon for the family to be separated for months at a time as his father traveled for work as a programmer. When I took employment away from home and to relieve his mother of the pressure of having five children underfoot, I took his two older brothers with him, and he desperately wanted to be included. He wanted to go along. And that's when he was six. And uh, he, he, he didn't. Uh, I was away from the house with his brothers for uh, about six or seven months. Joel Jr. brought Joel's brothers back home, but it wasn't long before he had taken another job out of town. Thomas, one of Joel's older brothers, was the only child Joel Jr. took with him this time, as Thomas was schizophrenic. Today, Thomas has been in and out of a federal prison hospital for over eight years, first for assaulting his father, and later for threatening his parole officer. This all took a toll on young Joel's relationship with his father. He didn't really feel bonded that I had abandoned him, so he fired me, put it in, in, in abrupt terms. I I believe that he more or less discharged me and is no longer a parent figure. Mm -hmm. I had let him down. I'd abandoned him. So that just closed the door. And so I didn't really have a close relationship with a son after that point. Despite the dysfunction, the Henrik's children were incredibly smart. One daughter, Angela, could draw the human body and label the bones from memory at a very young age. The oldest son, Christopher, has a doctorate in computer science. Yet his siblings have all said Joel was the smartest one of the family. As a senior in high school, Joel's intelligence earned him a National Merit Scholarship to OU, where he majored in mechanical engineering, a degree that perfectly suited his childhood interests. Joel had always been intrigued by metallurgy, the science and technology of metals, and other mechanical sciences. He was the one who put together lye and aluminum cans because he'd read somewhere that that would produce hydrogen, and he wanted a hydrogen balloon. And so he produced hydrogen. Joel was in the third or fourth grade at the time. His interests, at first harmless, soon started getting him in trouble during middle school in Naperville, Illinois. Joel struggled to get along with his fellow classmates and frequently experienced bullying. As the youngest, he became a project for his mother. She groomed him to be at ease in front of audiences and the camera. He became quite comfortable in the presence of adults who looked at the deeply intelligent young man with pride and adoration and could easily converse with them. 
However, none of his mother's grooming prepared him for a life among peers. Joel was a pudgy child at age 13, weighing 150 pounds at 5 feet tall. On top of that, he had a large vocabulary and often spoke in technical terms, which his peers would use against him and twist his words to create fake stories. In the halls of school, classmates would forcefully bump into him and knock the books out of his hands. In 1997, during the last week of 7th grade, Joel decided to silence the rumor mill and the bullies. And he brings to, to school the hollow metal handle of some kind of paving uh, tool. It's strong and light and long and is used. And on one end of it, they have a, uh, a wide flat blade for smoothing concrete. And on the other end of it, a screw-on handle. And somehow he acquires this thing. It's been broken in half, so it's about three or four feet long and hollow. And he drags that to school and says, I'm going to show everybody how to make a bomb, which generated a telephone call from the police. He was expelled from school after first being transported to juvenile hall overnight because he had done something that made them think he might be a terrorist. He, he had that effect. He loved things that blew up. What little boy doesn't? Joel experimenting with explosives wasn't shocking to Joel Jr., as it was something his son did often. Once, Joel took a CO2 cartridge, which has a small match-sized hole at the bottom where users can screw the cartridge into various items for power, and packed it with the material used on the heads of matches before setting it off. He also loved the little rockets available at hobby stores because he loved seeing how far they would travel. Harmless or not, Joel was soon expelled. According to reports from the Oklahoman from October of 2005, the hollow metal pole incident left Joel required to wear an ankle bracelet and on house arrest for six weeks. He then attended an alternate school for a short period of time before attempting homeschool under his father. In May 1999, the family relocated from Naperville, Illinois to Colorado Springs, and Joel started attending Roy G. Wason High School that fall. There, Joel found another interest, debate class. He was, he was pretty good at that, and, and I was able to be a judge in debate, and that gave me a chance to spend a little time with him. But unbeknownst to me or his mother, he had become profoundly depressed. At this point, Joel was staying up all night and sleeping during his classes. Soon, his parents wondered if he would graduate. Nonetheless, in March of his senior year, he received a full National Merit Scholarship to the University of Oklahoma. Five months later, Joel moved to Norman and joined the Triangle Fraternity an independent Greek organization that limits membership to male students majoring in engineering, architecture, and other sciences. But the fraternity and move to college did nothing to help Joel. Instead, he plummeted deeper into depression and love of explosions, which would hinder his education and ultimately end his life. Several Triangle members interviewed by the FBI after Joel's death all described him as lonely, weird, depressed, and struggling academically. One member said Joel believed he did not have any friends, even among his fraternity. Joel also collected empty aluminum shells, purchased through eBay, and his obsession with guns and explosives was widely known among the fraternity members. 
Eventually, a member of OU Scholar Program referred Joel to Dr. Herbert Spencer, a staff psychologist at OU's Counseling and Testing Services, in April of 2003. He attended sessions in Goddard Health Center, a short walk from Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, until the spring semester ended. He wasn't really feeling happy about the world. He'd, he'd spent time with a counselor, but he switched out the counselor and wouldn't, would not cooperate with the counselor. There's only so much the guy could do. It's very voluntary, and he just volunteered himself out of treatment. Dr. Spencer, according to the FBI report, concluded that Joel had clinical depression and had developed a pattern of it progressively worsening over three years. After freshman year, Joel decided to take a year off of college and started stocking inventory overnight, according to the Oklahoman. Joel returned to school the following year, but lost his scholarship. In August of 2005, Joel responded to Fizal Chima's ad seeking a roommate and moved into Parkview Apartments, an OU complex about a 10-minute walk southeast of Oklahoma Memorial Stadium. He kept to himself, and my impression was that he's just private and needs his space. I actually learned most things about him from the press coverage after the incident, Chima said. Chima had no idea Joel was experimenting with explosives in the apartment. The few times Chima saw him in his room, he was on his laptop, and they never spent any time together in the living room. Around the time Joel moved in with Chima, Joel's parents had split and were projecting their anger towards each other onto their 21-year-old son. Joey had been evidently exchanging emails with his mother, and his mother un unloaded her angst and anger against me uh, in private emails. You know, we neither one of us were very fair to our kids. We would generally involve them as, as intermediaries and bitch about each other to the kids, which is rather undignified, stupid, and counterproductive. One week before Joel had detonated his homemade bomb, he sent an email to his father asking how to fix his car. Joel Jr. responded with advice on both the car and unprompted advice on how to gain a girl's interest. It was their final conversation. During the investigation, the FBI would find an unaddressed message on Joel's open laptop. It read, F all of this, none of you are worth living with. You can all kiss my ass. Joel Jr. believes it was meant for him and his wife. What was less clear, however, was how the intelligent little boy became a troubled young man alone on a park bench 100 yards from a venue filled with 82,000 people. A young depressed individual who has an unusual obsession with explosives and has been viewed as a possible terrorist before. Saturday evening, he uh, sitting uh, near the, the football stadium, facing away from it, with a TATP, uh, triacetone triphosphate compound, which is somewhat unstable and enormously powerful. He has a stocking full of it, looped around his neck. He lights a match and goodbye. Next time on Uncovered. It wasn't terrorism. It was a guy that was just fed up with his life. Folks that get to the point of wanting to do something violent on campus, usually show signs of distress earlier. He tried to get in that stadium several times, got turned away with that backpack, but he came in there to blow us up.